0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Crowning Around, a podcast where three regular everyday peasants attempt to learn about the royal family through their depictions on film and television. My name is Sam Chung and I'm extremely excited about today's episode because today, after tiptoeing from Tom Hooper's The King's Speech to Downton Abbey to Hyde Park on Hudson and we're on Light Out, we're finally back home as today we dive into The Crown coming at you with a recap of the season two premiere simply entitled Misadventure. As always, I'm joined today by my two fantastic co-hosts. First, a guy who loves when his cold food is hot and his hot food is cold. It's Mr. Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, uh, how are you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. And <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm never prepared. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All good. Uh, also, a woman who loves trying to make eye contact with live performers while they're trying to perform, especially ballerinas. Uh, it's Carlin Greenwald. <laughs> Karlyn. Have you ever been to the quote-unquote ballet?
2: I actually have not. I have been to low-level performances on the stage. Never, never highbrow like opera or ballet. I'm sure it's lovely. They say I it's don't know. Lovely. I saw Cats once. That has some <laughs> ballet, doesn't
0: it? I thought we agreed we were never going to talk about Cats again.
2: <laughs> um, I mean, the stage musical. <laughs> Any, that's, that's probably the closest I've come. Any, I, I saw Family Opera that has some ballet in it. Oh, uh, yeah, go. that's probably the best I got. How was it? Uh, I mean, it, it was pretty good. You're paying attention to like other plot elements during the ballet, so it's hard to say whether or not the actual ballet was good. But like, it was pretty. I don't know. The, it was. It's pretty nice.
0: Um, as always, right off the bat, you know, we always want to mention that if you came here because you are curious about whether or not the events that happened in this episode are historically accurate, we have no idea. We, we don't know at all. I will say that this comes at a very interesting time for us. Obviously, we've been hiatusing for a few weeks, but today, in the wake of a boat getting stuck in the Suez Canal, really enjoyed this episode. <laughs> um, obviously, that was a couple weeks ago, but just brought it right back to the forefront of my mind. And uh, yeah, I think that we're going to get things kicked off, as always, with a recap of the episode. So I believe Carlin has a recap for us this week.
2: Uh, yeah, so it's 1957. I honestly don't remember what month they said it was, but it's 1957. We start with a frame this time of we are on a stormy boat with Elizabeth and Philip. And it is very clear that they had some sort of major drama happen between them. And they have a very barbed conversation that has to do with all the problems in their marriage. Namely that Philip feels very trapped. And Elizabeth's like, this is your job. I don't know what you want me to do about it. And then we flash back to five months earlier, the sort of sea that now Philip is about to go on the tour that I'm pretty sure the queen mother sent him on because he was misbehaving, but he seems kind of excited about it. He wants to go on the seas. I think he's going to be with his Navy crew. So it's like, it's a good good old boy's time for him. And Elizabeth's into it too, and they seem kind of happy about it. Meanwhile, Egypt, not happy right now. We have President Nasser who is trying to, you know, shuck the powers of the, col- the colonial powers over the country, namely mostly Great Britain and our buddy Anthony Eaton, who is still the prime minister for some reason. He's like, nah, this isn't like a real threat. Like, let's just let's just see what he does. Kind of not really taking Nasser seriously. But like, you can also see the the spark of war in his eyes. And so then back with Elizabeth in her little whatever she's got going on. So she finds a briefcase and inside the briefcase is a picture of a ballerina. And she's like, oh, I I see what's going on here. She gets gets a little paranoid streak about what is Philip doing at his gentleman dinners, which I feel like we have all been very suspect of about his, I don't know, it's not called gentlemen's club, it's called it like a lunch club, very suspect about the lunch club this whole time. And now the negative implications of said lunch club are starting to rear their ugly heads into the marriage that was doing kind of okay like two seconds ago. And everyone, meanwhile, is having marital problems on the side. I'm pretty sure that Mike, who is the private secretary, he's having a bad time. Um, Mountain Batten, it was... <laughs> which Mountain Batten was it? It was, it was Dickie, right?
0: I think so, yes.
2: Dickie, also, marital problems. So everyone just like cannot handle themselves right now. And Anthony Eaton cannot handle his responsibilities at all. He's going like full, you know, imperialism with he had a little speech to the boys of Eaton about like how great it is that like they're all in power and how they're going to be the future, like to an entire room of white, rich Eaton boys. And he then brings that into their, <laughs> their start to be um, international incidents Where um, the Suez Canal gets taken over by Nasser, and Anthony Eaton's like, "Oh no, I uh, didn't see that coming." And then when it doesn't just resolve itself, he's like, "Oh, (laughs) let's just bomb them." But of course, that's not like what we're seeing here. It's all a conspiracy. But no one is saying that. They're just there's a little war brewing with Egypt. I'm getting those details wrong, but that's fine. And then Margaret, keep going. Margaret and Elizabeth, they have a nice little lunch. And by nice, I don't mean nice at all. Apparently, Margaret's drinking more because, as we remember from last season, Elizabeth ruined her life when uh, she prevented her from marrying Peter like three different times. So she's just kind of in a bad, you know, she's not in a great place. So She's just kind of like, oh, <laughs> do you know what Philip's up to? Implying that um, our buddy Mike here is definitely arranging some outings with None other than actresses and ballerinas. So, Elizabeth, she's just got full-on suspicions here. But also, she kind of has to deal with this uh, Egypt problem. So, our last major scene, Elizabeth actually looks up at the TV and has to see that, oh, there's something going on with Egypt. She goes to Anthony Eden, and, he's, and she's like, is there some collusion going on with Israel? And he basically says, yeah, he's, he's ready for war. He's doing, like, some full-on, like, communist stuff because Russia got involved. And I don't really know about the details there, but, like, you know, <laughs> conspiracies in politics. And Elizabeth's, like, and so Anthony's, like, hey, do you, like, do you support what I'm doing? And she has a very, very long pause where you're, like, I think she's going to say that she does it. But then she says she does, and that's where we're at.
0: Thanks, Carlin. So, yeah, something that we learned that the Crown loved to do in season one was do a flashback in an episode and then bring it back to present day and then just wrap it up on the same episode but it seems like season two is going to be a little bit different because we get this flashback or no sorry we get a flash forward and then mm-hmm. it seems like they're setting it up that season two is going to be a season all about liz and phil's relationship just falling apart and i just gut reactions to the Liz and Phil drama that we see here in the season two premiere.
1: Okay. So I'm really confused. So when we last left off, uh, all of these characters were kind of fed up with each other. So, you know, you had, um, you know, Philip really upset that he was being sent away on this tour. Um, You know, you had Margaret upset at Elizabeth for obvious reasons. I can't, really get a sense of how much time has passed between the season one finale and this uh season two um, not 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 counting the flash forward but just the you know t- era in which most of this episode took place um yeah it, it it's real it's weird because in that finale i got the sense that philip's world tour was fairly imminent but now it just seems like he's been kind of hanging around for a while waiting to to you know embark and in that time Tempers have kind of calmed down a bit, like nobody is quite as irate with each other. So, yeah, I I mean, I I don't know. Are we talking, you know, a month, three months, a year? Like, I'm really not sure how much time has, uh, you know, lapsed. And and that is it it made me really difficult to kind of kind of gather up a perspective on how or what I thought, how I thought these characters were reacting to anything and, and whether it was justified.
0: Yeah, it was hard for me to tell that, too. I kind of assumed that it wasn't that much later. It felt to me like it was maybe a week or two. I don't know. Carlin, what what did you think?
2: Yeah, I would guess somewhere between like weeks, like maybe a couple months, like at most. And it, it definitely felt like Elizabeth is acting like, you know, it hasn't really because she didn't seem particularly angry with anyone. She was just kind of upset. So like her, not that much time. But Margaret seems to be acting like it's been like one day. She's still very mad. And then <laughs> Philip. Yeah, he's like he's had a lot of time because he seemed like really happy. Like, when did he have time to be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun for that little bit where he was excited about it. I don't know. Yeah, it
1: was a a night and day difference, uh, you know, with him. Like, he was so just fed up with everyone in that finale. And, you know, that final shot of him kind of driving off from Buckingham Palace, like I assumed he was driving toward the boat like or like the (laughs) airplane or or whatever he was going to, you know, kind of start the tour on Uh, but yeah now I got the sense that it's like oh you know months to even like a year later and everything is hunky-dory but that world tour apparently was something that was scheduled well in advance
0: yeah I mean I guess Ivan to your point last time we saw Anthony Eden we thought he was dead and he seems totally (laughs) fine now so I guess some time must have passed to allow him to recuperate in such a way
1: yeah and we didn't really get much of a follow-up there either like i think there was one scene where it looked like he was about to start shooting up again but yeah otherwise like oh yeah no back back to business
2: um his drug is now war so that's how he's (laughs) that's how he's doing fine
1: i i didn't really care for the fact that anthony eden became all of a sudden such a prominent character um this was kind of a like an oddly structured episode compared to season one where Mm -hmm. like in season one, like you would have like two or three characters who would just be center stage and they would be like the dominant players of that episode. This one was a little different where like we got a lot of fill in the beginning, but then he kind of disappeared. We got, you know, a brief snippet of Margaret, which, you know, is bet like better than certain season one episodes where you just don't even <laughs> see her at all. Um, but yeah, those characters just kind of weaved in and out. Whereas really, the only two uh, kind of prominent players in this uh, season premiere were Elizabeth and Anthony Eden. That it was it was really just the two of them.
0: Carlin, did you just hold in a sneeze?
2: no i was yawning <laughs> can you hear it
0: no but i saw he you like cover, i saw you cover your face i was like are you trying to hold in a sneeze <laughs> like you no, can sneeze
2: it's okay I, no that would not be okay this is this is i was about to say it's radio it's not radio but same thing no uh, for sure <laughs> to ivan's point yeah i mean i hope they don't like just stick with it because it'd be interesting if they just stuck with like mostly keeping it to like elizabeth and anthony because like i don't find anthony eden that interesting in general like i guess if he gets one episode fine but this seems like the suez crisis seems like something that would be going on longer because i think it was a big deal don't i yeah that's probably true i shouldn't say i think it was a big deal and so you would assume he's gonna get more plot line which great i don't know i at least appreciate a little bit more with like the focus on liz like it is supposed to be her show, but we could have used, there should have been more Philip probably. He was kind of like, his His actions were more like a specter for a lot of the episode, which I, I guess, I guess that's fine. It, How do you
1: feel about the fact that we finally got more Charles and Anne? I, Loved it. I
2: mean, it was great. I mean, like, they're great. But I love we, that moment. Was Charles, was, was Charles at like a little party that was like cowboys and Indians and you're just like, oh. Oh, that's
0: That was him night. right that. Yeah, no, he and Anne both went to a party that was literally my nightmare and <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> both as a child and watching it now in the episode. No, I was referring to like the handshake on the plane. And <laughs>
2: Felix like, oh, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> I. No wonder Charles had a had a rough life. Oh, my God. Yeah, I it's so bizarre. Like when they put the kids on, like it's not ever like particularly like actual happy moments for those children. It's just like you being reminded like, oh. This is what happens when they get paid attention to.
1: Yeah. The the performances are also never a tour de force, are they? For
2: the children.
0: Yeah, no. And then there was that, I think the, uh, the only other moment they show up in is, well, yeah, there's the fact that, I guess this is the same moment, Carlin, when they go up to uh, Queen Elizabeth and she's like, I'm too busy to take you to the party.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> well, can you well, imagine having Queen Elizabeth at your birthday party? Like... I feel like it would change the vibe significantly.
1: This this
0: segues into uh the other part of the birthday party. So the birthday party is uh hosted by Mike's wife, and we saw bits and pieces of Mike in season one, and he was just kind of like, Oh, Philip's fun time friend, they go have a fun time. And now we learn yeah. Mike is kind of a dick. He's kind yeah, of terrible.
1: Tur- it turns oh, yeah. out he is Jeffrey Epstein. I
2: was <laughs> I wasn't sure if we could say that, but I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah
1: wow yeah he suddenly became a lot more prominent in in all the ways we didn't want to see
2: yeah i mean if we're ranking like the most pitiable characters in this episode i feel like mike's wife (laughs) she really has to take the cake i hope she does something about her terrible husband
1: i have i have to hope they'll follow up on that too because for (laughs) for mike to just suddenly become more of a featured player and to suddenly introduce characters that are kind of satellites to him as well like I, I imagine they're setting something up there
2: yeah so i guess it'll be interesting to see what ends up coming of becoming of that philip you you got your hand not uh, dirty in a you're a scoundrel kind of way to not directly parallel jeffrey epstein although i guess we don't really know that but oh man
0: and then the other characters that we saw once again here were the Mountbattens. carlin you mentioned them in your intro yeah, what a fun reemergence for them, uh, Dicky. What is Dicky's wife's name?
2: I I don't know because <laughs> um. they have
0: some interesting. what I think the English call it banter.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like no one, no one's functioning. These Mountbatten men—they're like not good at marriage. <laughs>
0: um, Ivan, did you like seeing the Mountbattens here again?
1: I guess. I mean, we haven't seen a ton of Dicky thus far, so. I, I feel like what we're getting is giving us a lot more texture than what we've witnessed before. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't quite know what to make of that relationship between him and his wife, and curious how they got to that point, curious if there's going to be any follow-up on that. But yeah, I mean, it was certainly more intriguing than anything we've seen of the Mountbatten's uh, previously. So yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board with this subplot.
0: And that gave Dickie a chance to go to the to Buckingham Palace and talk to Liz all about how her her husband is a, uh, what did he say, a wild spirit that can't be tamed. Oh my
1: God. Yeah, so, uh, so I, I thought that was interesting. So Dickie, uh, you know, went to give Elizabeth advice and kind of offers perspective. I didn't get the sense that he had any kind of ulterior motive. It seems like he was just doing it kind of out of, you know, A maybe the goodness of his heart and B just concerned for the country and national security. Like a- am I getting that read correctly or or is there something that I'm missing here?
2: I mean, I guess the underlying implication of everything Dickie does is obviously Philip is like their connection to staying in power in some regards, so anything he can kind of do to keep the marriage going is good for him. And then you know national security, like what are you going to do if um England collapses then then what are you ruling at that point so i mean yeah i think it's like a little bit of both i guess
1: yeah but that's what i'm saying like it seems like he had all in all pretty positive intentions like he wasn't trying to you know kind of like screw over elizabeth in any way or or do anything out of just pure self-interest it seemed like it was just all kind of for the greater good
0: I suppose. I mean, I'm always like a little bit low-key suspicious of Dicky ever since the whole like name thing that became oh, a, sure. a subplot of an episode. Like I always feel that there's some sort of political aspiration or m- motive to what he's doing, but it didn't come across like he's not a one-dimensional like villain.
1: Yeah. And that that's exactly why I yeah. what I'm calling it out cuz like my My bias like toward him is that he would have some sort of, uh, you know, ulterior motive or or, or something that he was trying to uh, maneuver or accomplish out of self-interest or self-preservation. But in this case, like he, you know, offered her some marriage advice, he offered her some uh, political advice, and it all seemed to not really have like an immediate benefit for him, but really just more for her than anything.
0: Yeah, and we also learned that he just gets walked over in his marriage. So <laughs>
1: that well, was also that's, fun. That's what I'm curious. Th- that's what I want to learn more about is like the dynamic between him and his wife. Um, yeah, it, it, it like it's not even that he's getting walked over. It's more just like a sense of resignation of like, yeah, just do whatever you want. Leave me alone. I feel like that
0: has to play out in some way as we continue on through this series, right? I hope so. At least through this season. Yeah.
2: Where are the other Mountbatten's? Like, I know some of them are dead. Like, I I don't know if they'll ever... Maybe I need to... Maybe they expect you to Google some things because I was never clear if, like, all his Nazi sisters were dead or, like, are they just hanging around somewhere? How how close is he to a scandal at any given time?
1: Well, well keep in mind when we... Uh who uh, watched the Downton Abbey movie, we discovered that there was a whole like sister to, to Birdie and David that was never <laughs> featured in the crown. So like this show has a really, uh, it, like this show is really good at just keeping characters completely invisible to us up until they decide that they want to feature them.
2: All right. Well, if one shows up good for them, I guess.
1: Um, I want to talk about some of the plot points
0: that I thought were fun Maybe not fun, but interesting in this episode.
1: <laughs> there was there was nothing fun here, Sam. <laughs> this was just people being miserable and desperate and frantic.
0: Well, I did think that it was a cool nod. So obviously, we've watched a couple movies now outside of The Crown, and they've talked about how much Bertie loved his video camera. And here's the video camera again. I thought that was a cool nod to something that we've now mm-hmm. seen across multiple pieces of content.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I forget, did we see him gift that camera to her in the crown, so. or was it the other way around? Like there was some exchange of that camera already, right? I believe yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. He
0: gave it like to her when they two? went on the, fir- the first royal tour that they went on, and they were in Africa, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sounds about so. right. Yeah. So I really liked that, seeing that again. Phil mansplaining how a pilot works in the Suez <laughs> Canal.
2: <laughs> i love that so much because i like because that boat got stuck in the suez canal i was like oh no this man has information that i want but i couldn't pay attention to what he was saying i was like just watching elizabeth like completely zone out of her body and i was like i i somehow too feel this way even though i care about what philip is saying so like very good job in that scene <laughs>
0: Anthony Eden was just playing the long game, you know, 70 years down the line, a boat would finally get stuck and he'd be like, I knew it. I told you.
2: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. I wish that we had gotten some um, Winston Churchill in this moment because (laughs) I feel like the idea of Russians going in to help Egypt is like Winston Churchill's worst nightmare. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> like I really you know, wish it, we had gotten some Winston Churchill in this episode just for that.
2: Yeah. I mean the red scare stuff they're doing here like it's it's all very interesting because it's like they're kind of touching on it in like a semi significant way where like you have that scene at the very end of like showing all the bombings and like how <laughs> awful it is and just the way that Anthony Eaton clearly like orchestrated the whole thing. But like you just have this feeling that like once this actual event ends Whenever it does in the course of history, I don't know if it like goes how far it goes into season two or like, again, I don't really know. But like, it's just sort of like, oh, this isn't going to be that significant beyond this point. Like, should I be paying attention to what you guys are trying to do here? How is this like, are you trying to paint both sides as like super sympathetic in this case? I don't know. It's just very interesting to talk about like anti-imperialism when like you are doing a show about the monarchy. And so we'll be curious to see like how they continue to like talk about that. And the collapse of the empire.
1: It will never get brought up again.
2: (laughs) As we expect, we need to have another plot line of like Margaret waking up. Like that seems to be a thing too. Is Margaret's always asleep and she gets a phone call and that servant just keeps coming in and being like, it's the queen, you need to answer it. And she just says on the phone, like I said, I did not want to be disturbed by anyone. And will anyone ever not disturb Margaret? Unknown.
1: Those two scenes that Margaret... Uh, was in didn't really add much to the episode like it, it just kind of felt like table setting like there to remind the audience like oh yeah like you know season one ended with the two of them on icy terms and here's why but didn't really push anything forward I mean I was happy to see Margaret but yeah it it like I, I didn't see much purpose to those scenes
0: yeah and especially given that you know they end up talking about how Liz and Phil are having a little bit of, you know, miscommunication Um, at the current moment. I feel like she must love that. I wish that we had gotten yeah. more of her reaction to that because she must be loving that.
1: Well, yeah. I wonder how, like, to what degree Margaret is aware of Philip having kind of been in her corner when all of that went down, because that, that's another thing. It's like season one ended with Philip very frustrated at Elizabeth, uh, you know, regarding how she handled the whole Peter Margaret thing. Um, I, I wonder if Margaret has awareness of the fact that Philip ultimately sided with her, even though. It didn't seem like he was a big fan of Peter throughout most of the season, aside from the flying lessons. In the end, though, he seemed to come around and say like, oh, yeah, like, why are you keeping them apart? And yeah, curious if Margaret is aware of that at all.
0: For sure. Hmm. Can we talk about um, Galena Ulanova, esteemed ballerina, because she is obviously at the center of this conflict between Liz and Phil based on a photo that queen elizabeth finds in philip's briefcase now i don't know is liz is trying to do something nice she finds this photo not very sneaky on philip's behalf no yeah, i know
2: <laughs> <laughs> well he so i it under like a mattress just it's just in his briefcase
1: well so i'm th- that whole thing also made me more confused about the timeline because in my mind i'm thinking like okay uh what's her name galena she she's in town for as part of some tour or some like brief residency so if philip were to have had some kind of encounter with her presumably it would have been fairly recent during this time that she's in london doing performances so that doesn't really jive with the fact that like philip has been in a great mood and that like their marriage has been better than ever unless The reason it's better than ever is because he's being taken care of on the side. Like, I I wasn't really sure what to make of that.
2: I would guess the second thing, to be honest, because, yeah, I think the timeline only works if, like, they started that affair fairly recently. Yeah, I could see him just being one of those guys who, like, because some needs are met, he's like, oh, I uh, I can appreciate my wife a little bit more now. She doesn't have to do as much. I'm not as reliant on her. But that is interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Because I don't know what the narrative purpose of showing Philip and Elizabeth happy was, because my first interpretation was like, oh, they're showing us like that they used to have good times and look how far they've fallen. But like your interpretation makes more sense.
1: Well, I think it was meant to just be a contrast from the flash forward and kind of set up the fact that like, you know, whatever is going to happen to send them down a downward spiral hasn't happened yet. And I think mm-hmm. it was trying to really drive that point home. But again, it just, yeah, it doesn't really make sense with how we left things off in season one and also the fact that Philip is having an affair. It Yeah, it it it's just kind of contradictory.
0: Yeah, and I also feel like it's very damning when something like this happens and your wife, I feel like you, there's no trust there. So she's automatically like, che- you're cheating on me because... It seems like Alina is like a pretty well-known, renowned ballerina, right? Like they conceivably could have just met at some sort of function.
1: Oh, Sam, I don't Come know. On. <laughs> Come on,
2: he's just a big ballet fan, you know. And he
1: just happens to be carrying around her photo in a locket like that. Come it on, look- Sam. Well, I, I, don't I know. have a
2: photo of um Ben Solo in a locket, so I I can understand if that was Philip's intention. <laughs>
1: Like, that wasn't like, like, do you think that after one of her shows, Philip went to the merch booth and, and he bought that photo and just decided to keep it around? Hey, you know, I think that
0: the show deliberately puts us in a position where we as the audience are supposed to be like, oh, but we don't know. We're in the same boat as, as Queen Elizabeth.
1: Oh uh, No, sometimes, you know.
2: I, I thought it was an assumption of like a fair for sure. Oh, it definitely is an assumption
1: I, a,
0: an assumption of a fair. And I feel for me personally, I also am assuming a fair, but I'm just saying like, it's very, yeah. it's not great for you when people are just jumping to a fair.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, no one trusts Phil. I don't think anyone, <laughs> even Margaret, <laughs> I don't think she really trusts him. Yeah. But anyways, then
0: Queen Elizabeth goes to a show Mm-hmm. Of Galena Ulanovas. And does she know that Queen Elizabeth is watching? Because there are so many looks. <laughs> between I think she them. has to.
2: They would probably announce that the Queen was there.
1: Probably.
0: Because she keeps like looking up there.
1: But also, why did Elizabeth go at that point? Like she's the <laughs> Queen of England. Like she can make up an excuse. Like if 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 the performers are expecting her that evening, like all it takes was is for her people to call in and be like she's feeling under the weather. She can't make it tonight why would she still want to go did she just want to scope out her competition is, is that what we are supposed to assume well, that's what
2: i assumed but then she was having like a really intense like panic reaction so like did she regret her decision to scope out the competition
0: or i think so like you're
2: saying yeah, yeah I, so I that's what i thought
0: but i love the chief yeah. petty officer moment from her where they're like you can meet her and she's like no yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> She knows where to draw the line,
0: yeah, I wonder if, like Galena knows that that option was presented, like, oh, you could have met, and she just got straight rejected.
2: I mean, maybe that's a relief for her. I feel like if you have an affair with like the queen's husband, like would you not assume that they could kill you somehow, like even if you know that like really wouldn't happen, like that's where I'd go be like, I don't know. there might be some law about that where they can all just, right i'm gonna know.
1: I'm gonna throw out a theory. <laughs> what if <laughs> Galena? Isn't even aware of who Philip was at the time of their encounter
2: oh I don't that I maybe. that's interesting
1: I mean if Mike is just you know setting up encounters like he doesn't he's probably not obligated to tell the, the ballerinas and actresses who the men involved are
2: do you think they wouldn't recognize him I mean she wouldn't recognize
0: we did see when the Queen Mother went to Scotland. That people did not know who she was.
2: Oh, poor right. grandmother. Mother, yeah.
0: So, this actually is not completely unreasonable and standard definition is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see
1: anything on those TVs.
2: Wouldn't that be the worst? <laughs> <laughs> like, you just realize that one, you just learn one day.
1: Oh, that's going to be my headcanon. Alright,
0: I think we should talk a little bit more about the Egypt subplot because or rather, I think Anthony Eden's participation in the egypt subplot because anthony eden his whole motivation here is to try and step out from under winston's shadow and so Mm -hmm. he's gonna low-key collude with israel basically a nation state set up by the uk to Mm -hmm. basically attack and queen elizabeth is like they would never do that (laughs) if we hadn't told them that that was okay I'm I'm very confused. Does Anthony Eden expect nobody to sort of question this? Like, this can't be only obvious to Queen Elizabeth. Other people must know this as well.
2: You know, yeah. maybe, I don't know.
1: Yeah, it, it, I guess, like, if the, the way we were supposed to interpret it, it was like that Elizabeth was really doing her f- homework and <laughs> studying geopolitical, like... Uh, just you know, kind of yeah. Just trying to get a read on like what the geopolitical um, situation was worldwide, and and coming armed with knowledge of how every single country was going to respond to this escalating crisis. But yeah, she's the only one that did that. Like that. That's what we're led to believe here. Yeah, know Everybody
0: must see that as well. Queen Elizabeth, her tutor didn't even teach her that. So you know,
1: <laughs> I mean, like I, she. She wouldn't have even needed to figure it out for herself. Like somebody on her staff could have just been like, hey, Liz, just a heads up. Like I looked into this and something doesn't smell right here. But she's okay with it. And that really surprised me that she was like, especially after her
0: conversation with Dickie, she's just like, I agree with this.
1: Oh, no. Yeah, that that scene at the end where she ultimately agreed with it, that was like a like fool me 12 times shame on me situation. Cause I once again had just like a fleeting moment of hope that she was going to step away from tradition and duty and responsibility and actually do the right thing. But of course she fucking didn't like, like why do I keep expecting that she's going to rise above it all? Like, and the thing that frustrates me so much is that the way that this is all portrayed, this idea of her, like, just continuing to resign to her obligations and her duties and her impartiality, like, all of that is a pre- is presented in, like, this light of, like, oh, she's doing the responsible thing. She's, like, like it- it's a moral victory when she restrains herself. Like, oh, I, I just keep getting fooled.
2: That is all very true and i was also like oh great like very negative but i was thinking and i might have just been like optimistic here but it seemed like they were trying to frame it as like she wasn't happy with her own decision to go along with it not that anything's going to come of it or that she would ever go back on that i don't know because there was that very long pause that like it seemed very purposeful
1: Yeah, it's it's where we thought, like, oh, is this the moment? Like, is this where, like, she finally just kind of, like, seizes control and actually wields some of her power? But no, it never is. It never is. And if there were even one instance of her having done that, like, I would just continue (laughs) to feel more hopeful and optimistic, but they keep just dangling that possibility in front of us and then just snatching it away every single time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they... We might even be giving the queen too much credit here because I think we've seen multiple times over the course of season one that like she really believes that she should be ruling over these people and the idea that people are daring to rise up against her and try to like show some sort of force like she is so pro colonialism Mm -hmm.
2: at this point.
0: I feel like when we think about it a little deeper, maybe she was never even considering what Dickie wanted.
2: It's very, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah but they... but that, like I I
1: refuse to live in a world where like Anthony Eden is doing the right thing. Like there, there's no way I'm going to concede that because all oh, of yeah. this is just a power play for him and like th- the mere fact that like no one is like looking at the fact that like oh here's a man who is trying to step out from Winston Churchill's shadow. And, like, what does that mean exactly? Like, well, what it means is that he is trying to, uh, like, (laughs) follow up the act of, like, a prime minister who presided over the country during a devastating world war like that's not something that you aspire to that's something that you should hope you never have to touch like you Mm -hmm. like no one should want to be like winston churchill like nobody should want to be a wartime minister they should want to like oversee the country during peace and prosperity and instead this guy thinks it's, it's like oh the only way like my name will go down in history is if i am just spearheading an unnecessary conflict
0: oh, this guy. I mean, no yeah. one should want to, but Anthony Eden is like a military guy, right? Like he was in the military. He, I feel like, has that just like in his nature to view the world like that. Like, oh, winning a battle is is uh, is an honorable thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, I, I understand like that, that that's his worldview, but it's a really shitty worldview. Oh, for sure.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I it's just weird not knowing the actual history of like what comes next of like if Elizabeth ever did do something that wasn't like completely going along with like very traditional like monarchist like colonial views. But I I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see what happens. I don't even know how this crisis ends to be honest. Like the the nitty gritty details of it all.
1: Yeah, it ended, it ended a few weeks ago when the boat got stuck. <laughs> that was the end. Yeah, it also reminded me this
0: conversation about Liz and how she can have two different points of view quote unquote of the moment mm-hmm. when she's talking to Margaret and she's like I didn't have any problem with you marrying Peter the crown did Shh. they're two different enti- uh, entities yeah <laughs> like it's uh, like she's full on delusional like you are the same but she really yeah. thinks there's a distinction between both
2: i mean it's so interesting cuz like i still do understand like how she start like how she got there but it's just the fact that she has not bro- broken free from that. How m- How long has she been queen now? Like three years? It's been like four at years?
1: least like four, five, maybe even six years. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, if she's in her second presidential term now, it's time to start, um, start making the change, girl. It's not going to happen, <laughs> but you know, we can hope.
0: Let's see. At the end of the episode, Liz is getting ready for bed, prayers, reading a book, and she just can't look at Phil's bed anymore. She just has to close the door. She's done with it. And I think this is going to set up for some real drama moving forward between Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip.
1: Not going to lie, when she was approaching uh, his bedroom, like I was torn on whether she was going to shut the door or actually get into his bed. Yeah. Really? I thought she was going to go over there and just like trash it. (laughs) Just
2: like start. (laughs) That would have been so much better.
0: (laughs) I know. What a restrained response from her.
2: She that's just like her whole deal is like all restrained responses. And I just wonder if they're ever going to ever have like a really unhinged response to anything. Does, does Elizabeth do that unknown? But yeah, no, that was very restrained.
0: We want to see her go full breaking bad, just like Heisenberg <laughs> throw some shit. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, any last thoughts here on the season two premiere before we dive into our kinky crown award?
1: Um, I didn't think it was a particularly great episode. Not going to lie like it it again like do especially with like the the time lapses and just the ambiguity around it all like it, it just seemed like the episode it, it just did more to, like it it was really just there to kind of like remind us of like who the characters are and kind of table set and and reorient ourselves but yeah i i feel like season 2 hasn't really begun yet if you know what i mean
2: yeah, I mean, I, I was going to say that I actually liked it. I thought that I agree with what you're saying and like hearing um, your take on it. Like it, it puts some more complexity on the whole thing. But I liked how it felt like we were really entering like a different era of like the world and sort of like what sort of conflicts are going to arise. Like it felt it are not in the 60s yet, but like it felt like it was getting toward like that sort of very specific different vibe that's going to be going into probably the rest of the season. I thought that there were some really strong moment, like character moments, like when, especially at the beginning when we had like Phil and Elizabeth and like all the Claire Foy scenes, like the way she does. I mean, obviously she does an amazing job. I feel like they gave her a fair amount of meat. It's kind of similar to what she's always been doing, but I just always enjoy the performance. But yeah, I don't know what the, um, I think the frame narrative is really interesting. I don't know if they're going to keep it to just five months or if they're going to be like halfway through the season, like, nope, now we're going in real time. And I don't know like how the pacing is going to go. Like I don't know. I'm still curious. I feel like they're at least like they, they know what performances they're gonna be doing and like you kinda I yeah. I would
1: there. be I would be really surprised if the entire season took place over the course of only five months. Like I feel oh, like Oh, wait, we're that's gonna, true. This is
2: a very long show.
1: Yeah, like I, I feel <laughs> like we have to catch up to that flash forward, you know, by no later than what, like the midpoint of the season? Because otherwise, yeah, we're just gonna be going through world of events at a fairly glacial pace
0: on the spectrum between carlin and ivan i lean slightly more toward ivan because i feel like they're definitely trying to set up this long game or this long plot line of the queen elizabeth and prince philip relationship but that was never my favorite part of season one Mm -hmm. so the fact that this is going to be dragged out by uh you know over the course of a long time Which I guess it always was dragged out over the course of a long time. But there was always that optimism that like maybe this episode will be about something else. (laughs) But now we know for a fact that it's going to drag out for a long time. And I'm not sure that I like that. And I also thought that now that I think more about how Queen Elizabeth reacted to Anthony Eden. It's very inconsistent with how she's interacted. Because in season one right. We only ever saw her pretty much do whatever the last person to tell her something wanted her to do. And that Mm -hmm. in this episode was Dickie, so she should have you know, told Anthony Eden not to go through with the airstrikes, but she did anyways. And so that's a little bit different than what I would have expected.
1: Well, there were also times where, or like at least one particular occasion in season one where Elizabeth was very, very close to dismissing Winston and just telling him to step down. And then, you know, he either did something or had some new information that made her rethink that but she was ready to to pull that trigger so you know if she was ready to do that for you know the almighty winston churchill you would think that you know this this you know just kind of schmuck here anthony eden she wouldn't hesitate to kind of tell him what time it is
0: all right so down on season two premiere except for carlin who's up on it but (laughs) i think that i'm happy that we're diving into the crown again it's been too long since we've talked about the crown not that i didn't enjoy our detours elsewhere between season one and season two but there's nothing there's no place like home as uh Mm -hmm. dorothy gill would say all right so let's talk some kinky crowns so for any listeners who may be tuning in they're like i hate the crown season one but season two that was my jam so i'm just gonna drop in now every episode welcome Hey, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Kinky Crown Awards. So this is a little tradition that we started. Uh, because the Crown is on Netflix, there are no shortage of kinky moments. So I think it's only fair that we recognize them. Because if we're not going to do it, who will? To be honest. So Carla, let's start with you. Did you have any Kinky Crown Award nominations that you wanted to put forth in season two, episode one, Misadventure?
2: Um, I guess I'll just. There were a couple really obvious ones. I'll pick my like favorite one. I. The moment where Philip is like tells all the staff to like turn around as they're about to like enter some kind of like very public gala or something like that. And then he just like kisses Elizabeth's neck. (laughs) Oh my god, I thought it was funny. That's that's my that's my first nomination.
1: All right, Ivan. Uh I think this may have been from the same scene, but just moments earlier when um like Philip was just like saying that he had to do some exercises and Elizabeth said, Oh, you can come do them over here. Yeah. Some star jumps, star jumps. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, not, not very subtle, you know, very overt, but you know, very obvious. And I'm just going to go with that one.
0: Yeah. I think those for me were definitely the two that stuck out. This wasn't an especially kinky episode. you know, honorable mention, I think to Lord Mountbatten talking about how Liz married a wild spirit that needs to be tamed. And, um, (laughs) That you know his wife just goes on random excursions, but he's okay with it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) like just Lady Mountbatten in general is also a a nomination. Like, because I I mean, yeah, she was just dropping so much subtext there. I loved it. (laughs) No, their their interaction was crazy. She was off to her own lunch club.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I mean, yeah. So I think of the three. I'm definitely leaning towards star jumps in bed. That's such a specific maneuver that <laughs> I think I just have to go with that. I don't know.
2: I I do think I'm gonna have to go with the star jumps too. Although <laughs> Lady Mountain Band was like really close, and I hope that in like the poll that people will pick Lady Mountain Band.
0: <laughs> Ivan, congrats! Your nominee won.
1: Uh, do I not get to vote? I guess you
0: can vote. I guess it's already but it won't two matter. out
1: of three. <laughs> well, okay. What okay so are we like, are we assuming that a star jump is a jumping jack?
2: Yes.
1: I think that, it's more. So I I was thinking it's more like like a cheerleader,
0: like all at the same like one motion. That was oh. what I was envisioning.
1: Okay, okay, but but pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I'm trying to think of like how efficient that position would be, but like that this is not the podcast for that. Um. Yeah, I guess yeah, let's go let's go with Star Jumps. Three out of three.
0: Threat, I mean I was gonna oh, right. s- I was gonna say, Ivan, if you want, we could implement twelve Angry Men rules, and it has to be unanimous. So <laughs> yeah. Oh my god.
1: You could try and like the second half us- of
2: the podcast is just
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm still just having trouble picturing it, but I'll 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 do some research independently. Please don't. I, I'm afraid of what you might find. <laughs>
0: All right, so congratulations. Um, I guess, yeah, for any new people, we also upload a poll to Twitter. So if you disagree, feel free to you know vote for the Kinky Crown nominee that you would have selected. Um, but yeah, that should take us, I believe, to a conclusion here on Season 2, Episode 1, Misadventure. So thank you all for listening. Ivan, if people want to find you, <laughs>
1: where can people do that uh, on the general World Wide Web? on the modern world wide web (laughs) sure you can go ahead and send me a message on linkedin and i will cheerfully ignore it (laughs) that is what
0: linkedin is for just ignoring random messages from people exactly there's no better platform for it (laughs) carlin if people want to find you on social media where can they do that
2: um, at Carlin Greenwald on Twitter and then at Carlin underscore GEE on Instagram.
0: All right. And I'm at Sir Sam Chung on Twitter. But the best place to reach us if you want to uh, get in touch with, with us about the podcast is our Twitter account at Crown Around Pod. Um, as always, you can uh, find our entire library of content either at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com crowning around or on any platform where podcasts are available. And if you just want to hear more Crown, we're here for you. We'll be back next week recapping Season 2, Episode 2, A Company of Men. So look forward to uh, seeing you all then. In the meantime, thanks for listening.
1: And God save the Queen. God
0: save
2: the Queen. God save the Queen.